Well, to begin uh, our message today, I want to ask you, where do you want to be at the end of 2024? Where do you want to be at the end of 2024? No doubt some of us have spent a bit of time thinking about this over the last month. Start of the year tends to be a time where we spend some time reflecting on the previous year and thinking about what's ahead of us in the new year. So uh, for some of us, we might say, well, at the end of the year, I'd want to just get through the school year. And uh, that's not just for students. I think there's some teachers who started up again this year and they're like, just get to the end of this year, uh, get my students through, get them finished what they need to do. And so that would be a good goal for this year. Uh, some of our kids started school for the first time this week. And so obviously for them, being able to get through the first year of school is very, very significant. Uh, some of us might be finishing up a qualification, uh, so uh, whether that's someone like Caitlin who's pursuing her PhD and moving into uh, the rest of that, uh, or whether it's uh, Josh, our Josh is in his final year of uni this year and so he's going to be finishing up. So some of us might be finishing up a qualification that we've got or uh, looking to find a new job, so maybe moving out of the role that we're currently in or changing careers, so we might be thinking of that as we move into this year could be about getting uh, our families or our, re- our relationships settled in all sorts of different ways. There's some stuff that we just want to have in place a little bit more at the end of this year than is currently. Uh, maybe something exciting like taking a trip. I know there are some people who are heading overseas this year, which is very exciting. So uh, maybe finishing a major project. So, but is there something for you that as you think about this year? It's like at the end of this year, this is where I would really love to get to. It's a huge question for us as a church as well. Uh, obviously, we have this very large thing in front of us this year where, for those who aren't aware, uh, our building is being uh, acquired as a part of the South Road project. So this building will not be here at the end of 2024. Well, it might be, but we certainly won't be in it if it is. So that's pretty huge. Uh, we know, although we're trying not to talk about it too much, that uh, Sarah is going to be moving out of her role as we head into the rest of this year. So that's going to be a fairly significant time of change for us. Uh, there's always going to be people who are transitioning to different places as they pursue God's calling on their lives. And uh, so we've already heard Caitlin will be over in Sydney. We know that Mark and Sarah and the kids will be over in Melbourne. And uh, no doubt there are possibly some others who might be pursuing what God's calling them to and uh, so that will create a change for us as a church family. We also hope and pray that there are some new people who join us throughout this year as well and so that will change us and who we are as a community. So it's a good question for us to think about where do we want to be at the end of this year. But I actually think that there is a much deeper and more important question for us to reflect on and it's this, who do you want to be at the end of this year? So not just where do you want to be but who do you want to be at the end of this year. Some of us might say, uh, as I've done some reflecting on the past year, as I move into this year, I'd love to be someone who's more content or more patient. I'm sure there aren't many of us that can relate to that, but some of us might think just a little bit more patience might be nice. Some of us might say, I would love to be more courageous. There are some things that I know that I'm being called to step into, and that's going to require some courage and some bravery, and so I would love to become more courageous. Some of us I'll probably put myself into this. would love to say we'd like to be a little bit less intense as we move through this year. Maybe not overthink things as much as we maybe do. I know I'm very guilty of that. Uh, some of us might say a non-anxious presence, just like being someone who is a person of peace uh, rather than someone who's maybe a little bit more frantic and frenzied. So who do you want to be at the end of this year? And it's a good question again for us to reflect on as a church too. Who do we want to be as a church 
at the end of this year. We've just spent the last month talking about hospitality and what it looks like for us to embrace hospitality in new and fresh ways. It's such a key part of who we are, but how do we go deeper in being a community of hospitality? A word that's been floating around a little bit as we've been doing some processing about this year is hope. Being a hope-filled community. What does it look like for us to offer hope to people wherever they're at in their journeys? We really desperately want to be more connected with our local community. And so what does it mean for us to be a source of life and joy for the people around us, not just for ourselves, but for the people in the neighbourhoods around us? And transformation is another key word that's come up a lot. What does it look like for us to be a space where people are transformed in all sorts of different ways uh, as Jesus does the work that only he can do in our lives? And a key question for me as I did some processing while I was on holidays, so it won't come as a surprise to most of you that I spent quite a bit of time while I was on holidays doing a deep dive, reflecting on last year, processing a whole bunch of stuff, thinking about this year and where do we go. And one question that I came across was, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And how do I feel about that? Which was a very profound question that I am going to come back to every month when I have my uh, monthly, I have a daily retreat once a month, and it's a question that I'm going to reflect on every month. Who am I becoming? And how do I feel about that? Does that make me excited? Does it make me scared? Does it make me concerned, the sort of person that I'm becoming? It's a really, really great question. If I continue on the trajectory that I'm on, then where's that going to lead me? And who am I becoming? I've mentioned many, many times that my passion and my conviction and my focus at the end of the day for us as a church is all about discipleship. It's what I'm passionate about, it's what I talk about a lot, it's what I focus on, it's what I desire to see happen is people being discipled uh, as Jesus wants us to be. And we've talked before about how discipleship looks like apprenticeship. That's the best way of understanding what a disciple is, is someone who is choosing to follow the way of Jesus and to put that into practice so that they can become more like Jesus. And uh, many of you are aware that our daughter Rachel uh, has... Uh, is just about to get an apprenticeship, so she's about to sign the paperwork for that very shortly. And it's been fascinating hearing her talk about her chef's apprenticeship with her boss and some of the feedback that her boss has given her about what a good apprenticeship looks like. So he has said some things like, there is no benefit in going to TAFE more than one day a week because at the end of the day, it's the stuff that you're putting into practice that matters, not the stuff that you're learning. So it's important to go and learn the basics, but it's putting it into practice that's most important. He's also been crystal clear that there's no point in trying to accelerate getting her qualification. So there's no point in doing TAFE in six months or 12 months. It's the long-term process, which is why an apprenticeship is three and a half or four years. It's the long-term process of putting that into practice over and over and over that helps someone to become a really, really great chef. It's important to practice, to experiment, to try new things, to recognize that you're going to fail before you get better at things. All of that is information that she's been told as she moves into her apprenticeship. And I love all of that because as we think about our journeys with Jesus, so much of it applies. It's not about us just learning a whole bunch of stuff. It's not about us trying to get some qualification. It is about us embracing the way of Jesus, putting that into practice, learning, experimenting, failing, but continuing to move forward over the long term so that we can become more like him. And so that's why we're here as a church. We're kind of kicking things off for this year today and uh, no big surprises. The focus for us as a church this year is to make disciples. 
I apologize if you thought there was going to be anything more glamorous that we were going to talk about this year, but that's why we're here. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, then you can open up to uh, our teaching notes. So just a reminder, because we haven't done this for a while, down the bottom right of the Bible app, if you tap on more and then events, uh, you will see that that's there. Although I am just, as I say all of this, having a slight thought. It is there, good. And I was like, did I actually publish that yet again, one of these things? Yes, did we do that right? So that's good. So that's there. Uh, or you can just open your Bible up to Matthew 28, because that's where we can go in a couple of moments. As I have prayed and reflected about what this year looks like, some language that's been really, really helpful for me as some key hooks that I think that we can hold a whole bunch of things together on is this language. Living and loving the way of Jesus wherever we are. Living and loving the way of Jesus wherever we are. So today we're going to spend a bit of time talking about what it looks like to live the way of Jesus, all those things I've just talked about in terms of being apprentices of Jesus. Next week we're going to spend a bit of time talking about what it looks like to love the way of Jesus, and there's going to be two parts to that. First of all, loving the way of Jesus as in saying, it's really great. And I love it. I love the way of Jesus. I'm passionate about it. I'm excited about pursuing the way of Jesus. But also love as the defining characteristic of what it means for us to live the way of Jesus. So we'll spend a bit more time talking about that next week. But then this language of wherever we are uh, has a whole bunch of nuance to it. So partly that is a reference to the reality of wherever we end up because we don't know where that is currently. (laughs) And so wherever we are, our focus is going to be on living and loving the way of Jesus. But it's also helpful because wherever we are in our spiritual journey, there is more for us to be able to explore about living and loving the way of Jesus. Whether we're just starting and wrestling with some spiritual questions, whether we've just encountered Jesus for the first time, whether we've been doing this for a few years, or whether we've been doing this for many decades, there is always more for us to be able to explore about what it means to live and love the way of Jesus. So wherever we are in our spiritual journey, but also wherever we are in terms of where we spend our time. So living and loving the way of Jesus when we're together, yes, on Sundays, when we're together, yes, in our gospel groups, when we're together, yes, in our youth ministry, uh, when our minis get together, all of those different places, but also wherever we are. So throughout the week, when we're in our workplaces, when we're hanging out with friends, when we're spending time with family, when we're connecting with our neighbours, when we're pursuing our passions, in all of those places, what does it look like for us to live and love the way of Jesus? And a key passage for us to explore as we unpack this is what's called the Great Commission. And it is a text that many of us would be familiar with and have probably heard lots and lots of different messages on over the years. Uh, But the context for what we're going to look at from Matthew 28 is that Jesus has come to earth, he has lived, he has shown people and taught people what it means to live his way and to embrace what he calls the kingdom. He's then died and risen again to open that up so that all of us can live that and embrace that. And then he's spent some time with his disciples, with his closest followers, uh, before he returns to heaven. And uh, I don't know about you, but I wish that we had more of those conversations written down. Because it would be really great to know what Jesus said to his disciples in those days after his resurrection and the sorts of things that they spent time talking about. But fortunately, we do have a couple of interactions, including this one. So Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I love the way that the message uh, uh, talks about verse 17. Some, though, held back 
not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. And I am so grateful that this is included in the Bible at all, but particularly in this place. Because let's recognize that the disciples, the people who have spent up to three years with Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, learning from Jesus, seeing Jesus do all the amazing things that he did, seeing Jesus die and seeing Jesus rise again, and have then spent time with him since then, some of them are like, ah, I'm not sure, I don't know, still not sure about giving myself fully to this, which I think is staggering, but is also really, really amazing. Because partly, this helps us to recognize why we can trust the Bible. Because if, as some people say, the Bible is all constructed to kind of take us in a certain place and manipulate a whole bunch of things, you would not include this in it. You would say, and all of them were completely sold out for Jesus. None of them had any doubts, and they were all really excited about what was ahead of them. So it's a great way of us being able to trust the Bible that you don't include that sort of stuff if you're just making something up and writing it from scratch. But it's also really helpful for us Because it helps us to know that if we have doubts or questions, and probably more accurately, when we have doubts and questions, because if we're honest, we all do, that's okay. We're still welcome. Jesus still invites us into partnership with him. Jesus still gives us a role to play, even when we're in the midst of wrestling with some stuff and asking some questions. And so in verse 18, Jesus says to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so Jesus says to them, everything now is under my kingdom rule. Everything in the entire world, everything in the entire universe, everything everywhere is now under the authority of Jesus. And so that's why we use the language of King Jesus so often, that we recognize that we're a part of that, that we are under the kingship of of Jesus. We're under the authority of Jesus. And so we choose to follow Jesus, believing that he is the ultimate authority in the entire universe. And Jesus then continues in verse 19 and says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The message puts it this way, Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And so Jesus says, this is what your role is, is to go and make disciples of everyone everywhere. Now, this language of making disciples simply means to go and help people to become apprentices of Jesus, as we've already talked about. A learner who seeks to become like the one that they are following. People who choose to say, I want to embrace this so that I can become like Jesus. The language of make disciples is not super helpful for us, particularly in the industrial West, where when we think about making something, we think about putting it in one end of a factory and it coming out the other end. So we put people in, we make them disciples, and they come out disciples on the other side. And that's not really how anything works, particularly with people. And so it's probably more accurate to be able to understand this as encourage people to become disciples of Jesus, inspire people to become disciples of Jesus, urge people to become apprentices of Jesus and train them in this way of life so that they can. So Jesus says, go and do that. 
That's what your role is. And there's been some debate, particularly over the last 20 years or so, about whether it's go or whether it's as you go. So is it Jesus saying, don't stay here, go? Or is it him just assuming you're going to go and so as you do, make disciples wherever you are? In some ways, I think that that's an irrelevant discussion that has distracted us in some circles because whether it is Jesus giving us our marching orders and say, don't just stay here, get out there and go, or whether it is as you go about your everyday life, the point is the same. Urge people to become apprentices of Jesus. That's what our focus is. And Jesus then says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the word baptize in its original context actually means immerse. And the most helpful image that I've ever heard of that is the idea of tie-dyeing a t-shirt. So when you take a t-shirt and put it in dye, it comes out transformed. So when you are baptized, it's the same idea that you are immersed and you come out transformed. Pickles is another very helpful analogy. So when you put the cucumber into the pickling liquid, it goes in and it comes out transformed. Now, it is still a cucumber. However, it has been transformed because of what it has been immersed in. And so when Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's not giving us a formula to follow. He's saying, immerse people in the reality of who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune nature of God as we sung about earlier. Being able to recognize that our God is a God who at the end of the day is completely relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are so much in common, in love, in unity, that they are one. That there is this intertwining that happens. We are immersed into the character of God like that. When we read the name of, that's one way of being able to understand it, the character of And so Jesus is saying, as you urge people to become apprentices of me, baptize, immerse them in the threefold nature of who God is and help people to understand that's who they become. That's who we are transformed into. And then he says, teaching them to obey. And this is not just teaching for the sake of teaching, but teaching for the sake of embracing, embodying the teaching. Not just imparting knowledge, teaching people for the sake of it, but applying knowledge so that we obey. And obedience is not a word that we love, particularly as Australians. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me to obey anyone. Thank you very much. But this is what Jesus says. Teach them to obey, to put into practice, to follow through on the things that I have commanded, which we also don't like very much. But it's not the things that Jesus has suggested. It is the things that Jesus has commanded us to live out together living the way of Jesus wherever we are. It's not learning the way of Jesus. It's not appreciating the way of Jesus. It's not acknowledging the way of Jesus. That's a lovely thought process, but living the way of Jesus. We're going to come back to that in a moment. And Jesus finishes this out by saying, and I am with you always, which is crucial for us to remember that this isn't about us going off on our own and trying to do all this in our own strength and hope that if we get it right, Jesus might accept us. Jesus is with us now. Jesus is present with us as we go and live these things out. We get to do this in partnership with Jesus, in the power of Jesus, with the presence of Jesus with us. And so that's why we're here as a church. And as we begin another year, it's helpful for us to remind ourselves that's why we're here as a church, to urge and encourage and inspire each other as apprentices of Jesus people who are living and loving the way of Jesus wherever we are. 
But as we begin this year, I want to be bold enough to name that I think for many of us, we might be in a place or approaching a place where this question might have come across our radar in the last little while. Is this it? Is this all that there is? Because this is good, but is this it? As we start another year, is there more? Or have we kind of hit the peak and this is all that there is? And I think one of the biggest dangers for us as we move into this year is the mindset of good enough. That it's good enough, it's okay, it's fine, everything's okay. But it stops us from stretching ourselves to say, yeah, but is there more? And I want to say that as we begin a new year, I would encourage you and urge you to actually say good enough is not enough. That there is actually more for us. I genuinely believe that there's a lot more and that there is a hunger amongst us to discover what that is. But it's not going to be because we somehow polish what we do here on Sundays. Uh, It's not because I or any of our teaching team become even more world-class speakers than we already are. It's not going to be because our music team becomes even more amazingly talented than they already are. It's about something much, much deeper and something much more powerful but also something that requires much more from us. I was encouraged to uh, listen to a podcast in the last couple of weeks that reminded me of a book that I read too long ago for me to, I'm embarrassed to say, that was 20 years ago, uh, because that's a long time ago. And uh, I did a lot of training out of that, and I had completely forgotten all about it. But it's this amazing book called The Critical Journey, uh, and it talks about the idea of stages of faith. Now, lots of caveats that I want to put in place here. None of us like being boxed. None of us like being labelled. None of us like anything that's linear because life's complex and nuanced and things go all over the place. All of that is 100% true. However, models like this do give us some general principles that do help us to be able to say, okay, yes, that's helpful for me to be able to kind of think about where I'm at and what might be next for me. So caveats there. It's okay, I know that it's not all this way for everyone, but we can still learn something from it. So I've adapted some of this language, and the authors talk about stage one of faith as awakening. And this is where we suddenly realise that there is something bigger than what we originally thought. We suddenly wake up to the reality that there is a bigger world, that there is something spiritual, that there's something other out there. And so we have this awakening experience. And that could be uh, that we have an encounter with God or something really significant happens or something really hard happens to us and we just, for some reason, are awakened to the reality of that. That generally leads into stage two, where we desperately want to learn a whole bunch about it. And so we start reading, and we start listening to podcasts, and we start watching stuff, and we also want to belong. We want to find a group of people who are also wrestling with all of this stuff and learning about this stuff. And so we plug ourselves into a community where we have the opportunity to explore it more. That generally leads to stage three, which is committing, where we then throw ourselves in fully. We've learned enough and we've understood enough to say, yes, this is something that I want to really, really give myself to. And so we throw ourselves in from a volunteering perspective. We want to find an outlet. We want to give back. The challenge with all of that, and I'm sure all of us have had those sorts of experiences in all sorts of different ways, is that you only get to experience first things once. So you only have an awakening of a certain type once. You only get to connect with a group of people for the first time once. You only learn a whole bunch of the things that you learn for the first time once. 
And so whether that's discovering the message of Jesus for the first time or discovering the message of Jesus in different ways for the first time, whether that's becoming a part of a new community, whether it's being able to come awake to different ways of what it means to be church, encountering different language, uh, our first experience of a really healthy small group, whatever it is, that can only happen to us once. And eventually, when we've had a bunch of those firsts that have happened to us, we start to ask some questions. Is this it? Is this all that there is? The things that were really, really great when I had that first awakening experience and when I was learning some stuff don't seem to be as satisfying as they used to be. Or they don't seem to have solved all of my longings in the way that I thought that they might have. Or we go through a challenging season where some hard stuff happens to us and suddenly we discover that those original answers that we had didn't actually provide answers to the hard things that we're experiencing. Or we start to realise that it doesn't matter how hard I work and how hard I try, there is a cap to what I'm able to do in my own strength and with my own willpower. And so the authors then talk about the idea of all of those questions ultimately leading us to a place where we hit a wall. And when we hit the wall, we have two choices that we can make. The first is that we effectively reboot and reset. And so we go looking for a new awakening. And so we go looking for some new experiences, some new ways of being able to think about things, some new language, something that will reignite the awakening in us that will then enable us to want to learn and belong and then to continue to commit. The challenge is that that is us just restarting. And eventually, as we embark on that process, we will get to the same place where we wrestle with some questions where that isn't satisfactory for all sorts of different reasons. And so the authors say that at the end of the day, the only option we've got, we can't go over the wall and jump it, we can't go around it, we have to pull the wall apart. We have to really enter into those questions and the wrestling that is a part of that. And that's my sense for many of us as a part of our Richmond family, is that maybe we're in that place where we have been awakened in all sorts of different ways, whether that's a while ago or whether that's recently, to a whole bunch of new language or to ways of being able to understand the message of Jesus. And it's been great. And we've learned some stuff and we've found a place to belong and we've thrown ourselves into it. But for some of us, we're then in this place where we're like, but is this it? Like, is that all? And we've got questions for all sorts of different reasons about what comes on the other side of that. And so the challenge for us as we move into this year is whether we are willing to pull those walls apart and to really dig into those questions, to dig into our doubts, to dig into our wrestling with God, to dig into the inadequacy of black and white thinking that so much of what we first experience in the awakening is this or this. We realise that a lot of life is very nuanced and complex where we explore internal questions, wrestling with the ways in which God sees us, including the ways in which God sees our brokenness, wrestling with the reality and the challenge that God doesn't actually accept us anymore because we work harder, anymore because we get ourselves together. God loves us because God loves us and accepts us and embraces us wherever we are. Wrestling with the reality that transformation at the end of the day, doesn't come because we work harder. It comes because we open ourselves up to Jesus being able to do the work that only Jesus can do in our lives. 
So as we go on that journey, if we pull the wall apart and if we wrestle with a whole bunch of these questions, it opens up the possibility of emerging out the other side. And we re-engage with our relationships, we re-engage with the different spaces that we're in, we re-engage with what it looks like to continue to discover more about Jesus and to be involved in the things that we're doing, but we do it from a very different perspective and a very different heart. We're no longer striving, but we're living and giving out of a place of transformation, out of a strength and power that can only come from Jesus, not from us, out of a posture of peace and grace and love. And as we embrace that journey, we discover some of the things that we so long for and that we so yearn for become transformational in our lives. We start to discover that we are people who are more content. We are people who are more patient. We are able to become more of a non-anxious presence. We discover the ability to be rather than having to do all the time. But that comes after years and years of practicing the way of Jesus, putting ourselves in a place where we allow him to transform us, to refine us and to release us. The challenge for us as a church, and part of why I wanted to share that this morning, is because this is incredibly complex when we've got the number of people who are a part of our community because each of us are in very different places on that journey. If we took some time now to unpack where you might feel like you're at in that process, all of us would land in different places. And it illustrates just how hard it is for us to try and come up with a message each week that we can share with you that is then going to meet everybody where you're at, wherever that is. And sometimes we fall into the trap of that. We hope that if I show up, then that will create the opportunity for me to have the new insight or the new experience, the awakening that I so desperately want if I come along and that will change everything. But instead, what we need to do is to pursue relationships with each other where we're honest and we're open and we're talking about the things that matter, where we're talking about the questions that we've got. We're unpacking where we are in this journey and helping each other to continue to move forward. And so last year, we started using this language of soil, seeds and nutrients to talk about the type of environment that we're trying to create as a church. We talked about soil as the relationships that we want to cultivate. So we want to work on having healthy soil, healthy relationships where we have got the opportunity to be real and honest and vulnerable with each other. And in the soil of relationships, we plant seeds. And those seeds are the practices of the way of Jesus. We choose to practice a whole bunch of things, not on our own, but together. And we trust that as we do, it's not because we manage to do enough stuff, but the nutrients Jesus does the work of transformation in us. And so we want to cultivate our relationships, plant seeds of practices in that, and then allow Jesus to water those seeds so that they grow into what Jesus wants them to become. Last year, we spent some time talking about the practice of Sabbath as an example of that. This year, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in a a couple of weeks talking about prayer as a key practice that is so important for us to be able to understand what it means to embrace what Jesus wants to do in our lives. But we don't do that on our own. We don't do that in our own strength. We do that in relationships and plant the seed of prayer in our relational soil. And then as we open ourselves up, we allow Jesus to water that so that it can grow into what Jesus wants to do. Now, don't hear me saying that all of that means that what we do on Sundays doesn't matter, because it does. 
When we gather together, there are some really crucial things that happen. Sundays can catalyze all of this, can help to provide frameworks, can help to provide resources and suggestions, but there is a limit to what can happen as we're together. It's only as we pursue deep relationships with each other where we talk about our next steps of obedience in our walks with Jesus, as we continue to surrender and listen to Jesus and respond to what it is that Jesus wants to do in us and through us, that we can see transformation happen. So I want to give us a couple of moments to reflect on the question that I mentioned at the beginning. Who are we becoming? Who am I becoming? As we start this year out and look forward to where it is that we're going to go through 2024, I'd love to give us a couple of moments to just think about the trajectory that we're on. If I keep going in the direction that I'm heading, where am I going to end up as I move through this year? And how do I feel about that? Am I excited about that journey? Am I scared about that journey? Am I concerned about that journey? But what is the deep longing and yearning that you have for who you want to become as we move into this year? I do not at all believe that God is done with us as a church community. And I believe that there is so much more for us to be able to experience. That as we continue to pursue what it means to live and love the way of Jesus wherever we are, there is deep and powerful transformation that Jesus wants to do in us individually and collectively together. That's what I desperately yearn for as we begin this year. I desperately want Jesus to continue to transform me. I don't want this to be it and this to be my cap for the rest of my life. I want to go deeper. I want to be transformed more into the image of Jesus. I want him to sand the rough edges that are still very much a part of my life. And for us as a church, I want us to be transformed in ways that can only be traced back to the power of Jesus. We've used this language about our building, that we want it to be a story that only God could have written. That's what I want to be true about everything about us. That when people look at us, when people talk about us, when we share stories about what's going on, God's fingerprints are all over it. And there's no way that people can say it's just because we got some stuff together. The radical transformation that can only come from Jesus is what we're seeing happen. But none of that can be forced on any of us. On any of us. Jesus isn't going to force himself on me to change me. I have to make choices to put myself in a place where I'm open to that. And that's true for each one of us and that's true for us collectively. Are we willing to go on that journey, to open ourselves up to what it is that Jesus might want to do? So I'd love to give you a couple of moments in the quiet to be able to just pause, let all of that settle and ask yourself that question. Who am I becoming? And what does that look like as we head into this year? Let's take a couple of moments to reflect.
want to encourage you to continue to wrestle with that question, and particularly I want to encourage you to share what you're wrestling with with somebody else. Don't just hold on to that and walk into this week and kind of just, I'll keep processing myself. Have a conversation with someone else. Ask them what it is that they're sensing that they are hoping that they can become as they move into this year. And I want to say that if you would like some prayer or if you would like some support in that, that's the whole reason that we're here. And so feel free to come and have a chat with me or to talk to many of us and to say, would you just pray with me because I'm not exactly sure where this lands or I'm sensing this but I'm a bit unsure or I don't even know what any of this means or I've got absolute clarity but I'd love to pray for courage, whatever that looks like. Make sure that you have a conversation with someone. Make sure that you ask for prayer if that would be helpful for you. So I'm going to uh, pray now and uh, then we're going to sing one more song to finish up this part of our gathering together. So let's pray. King Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. That is a staggering truth, that the entire universe is under your rule and under your reign. But we're really grateful that that is something to be excited about, not something to be scared of, because of the sort of king that you show yourself to be. And we're grateful that we get to live out being kingdom people. As we move into another year and look ahead, uh, there is so much that's uncertain for us. There are lots of things that are uncertain. There are lots of things that we're unsure about where we're going to land as we move through this year. But we are grateful that what we can be sure about is your presence and your power with us. And we are desperate for more. We don't want this to be it. We don't want to feel like we've hit some kind of glass ceiling and there's now nothing more for us. We yearn to discover more. We yearn to be transformed more. We yearn to see you doing more in our lives, in our church, and in the community around us. But we're grateful that we do all of that in the security of knowing that we are loved and embraced by you. That we don't go on this journey in the hope that if we do it right and somehow manage to get to the other end of it, you will then accept us. We go on this journey because we are already accepted. We are already loved as we are with all the brokenness and all the complexity that makes up who we are. And yet you're desperate for us to discover how much more there is that you can do in our lives and how much more there is that you can do through our lives. And so as we move into this year, I surrender to you as King Jesus. We surrender to you as King Jesus. We ask that you would take us where it is that you want us to go as we embrace this desire to live and love your way wherever it is that we go. In your name we pray. Amen.